Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to episode number 79 of Unsheathed. I am barely struggling along with my throat, Kyle Gold. And I am fabulous self-starter Cam Hirosaki. And And I'm... (laughs) Joining us is... Eep squeak, motherfucker. Welcome, foosball. Always glad to hear from you again. Down to the business. (laughs) Yeah, all the straight people have great sound bites on this show. I I was trying to think of what other straight people we've had on the show. Uh, Dick Power. Dick Power. He had some great lines. That one guy, that other guy, that girl that time have we had a girl on the show we've had a girl on the show no we haven't we will have had one soon Ooh. now you're thinking panels that we did with girls no that's right yeah that wasn't recorded we had lovejoy oh (laughs) you heard it here first lovejoy got the bird from kyle and not me i must admit i was confused when i first heard him on the podcast gotta say um, he doesn't sound anything like Cam Harasaki makes him sound out to be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I'm I'm glad that hopefully we'll have had a girl on the episode before we get to 100, because otherwise that would be kind of embarrassing. Plays into all kinds of gay stereotypes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we had a girl in an audience. Yes, but I think that was also on a panel and not the podcast. No, we had we've we've had girl when we did. Oh, but they, have they asked questions though? Yeah. Really? Are you sure? Yes. They may not have had questions that were asked on the air in the podcast, but they were they were there. Yeah. Written out, yeah. And drawn. And, oh, that's right. She drew the, the martial arts wallaby. Right, right, right. Oh, right, right, right. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, we found a girl. Anyway. Hooray. Well, at least one. I can think of a couple and others. And I but. did a bad New Zealand accent of a girl back on Unsheathed Presents number five? Seven? Six. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, so things that things that we're doing. I will start off by saying that I'm um, working on. I would like to attribute my sort of struggling with this cold to a lack of sleep due to staying up till all hours working on the draft of the Collations novel. But the sad truth is that I'm just working on the draft um, every spare moment, and I'm actually getting a lot of sleep, and I'm just sick. Um, We've been traveling around somewhat, and I'm in kind of the home stretch on it because I want to get it done for next week, and it's uh, so that it can go out to the writing group. And towards the end of this week, I got a little more successful with it than at the beginning because I was really tired at the beginning of this week and just didn't get anything done. Um, but I have that, and then once that's done, I got to finish up a draft of my secret project, and then I have a bunch of other little stuff to do. Yeah. I'm still working on Summerhill. Haven't really built up a lot of momentum on it lately because I'll like work on it for a day and then life will intervene and I won't have time to write. Uh, things have been a bit of a jumble, but hopefully that clears up soon. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on that. Uh, since Kyle's sick, I am drinking his share of the vodka today. <laughs> and uh, I should actually get back to my secret project too. Because I always forget. And actually, one thing I haven't done, I've been reading a lot lately, which I hadn't had a chance to read a lot lately. So I've been catching up on that. So it's not like my time is completely going to waste. 
Yes, I have said that when I get done with all of this writing that I have to do, I'm going to take a week and just read because I now have two stacks of books to read. One is the books to read first, and then another is other books to read. And the books to read first is only nine books, and the other stack is at least 16. I couldn't count it properly last wow. night. So, Let this be a lesson, you kids. Don't read. <laughs> <laughs> Never try. Never try. Mm. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm I'm sort of currently trying to see if I can get some uh, stories published in the mainstream furry stories going uh, to like places like Asimov's and Clark's World and that kind of thing. I haven't had a lot of luck yet, but uh, I'm giving that a shot. And um, I'm maybe going to be doing a comic with uh, Amon Omega, a.k.a. that Alex guy. Maybe. Um, things are sounding helpful, but we're still looking into it. Awesome. I've come to discover that all furries are named Alex, Brian, Justin, and Andrew. Well, that, that accounts for like 80% of them. Yeah. Mm. So 80% of us are named what? Like Alex, Josh, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Justin, and Andrew. Yes. Okay. And we have one Donovan. And, well, there is only one Donovan. Yes. Um, so, let's see. What's coming up on the podcast? We've got a couple of fursuiters are going to come on and talk about characters. Um, we've got Hopefully, still trying to work out details for our interview with Catherine Valenti. Um, she has a number of books out that we've recommended if you guys want to read up on her in preparation for that. Um, Palimpsest, we've recommended. Habitation of the Blessed, um, both of those have... Actually, animal people recur throughout most of her books. There's in... I'm reading... I'm currently reading The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland in a Ship of Her Own Making, um, which is a cool story, which we'll talk about more with her, but... It was self-published on the internet first, and then it won an Andre Norton Award for children's literature, and so now it's getting a nice print edition. But she has a little girl who turns into a jackal. Oh wow! In it, just briefly, but um, and um, and Deathless, which KM is currently reading. Yes, I'm about like a third of the way through Deathless. Uh, no animal people so far, although it does have Baba Yaga. Who is kind of terrifying in her own right. Oh, yeah. And she's like a communist version of Baba Yaga, so she's Chairman Yaga. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. Isn't it? <laughs> and she, like, rides in the big black car that has chicken feet for wheels. <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome. And it's amazing. Yes, we're, we're very much looking forward to having the chance to talk with her about her work and the crazy twisted paths her mind runs down yeah i you know even if i weren't going to interview her i just want to get her for a drink and just talk to her and see how her mind works because it's fascinating the things that show up on the page um and then uh i don't know after that we've got lots of cool stuff planned um we're going to be coming up um i guess this is 79 so we're looking to be about five months away from our 100th episode um, well, if we time it right, that could be for our inaugural, uh, you know, live show. Our inaugural live or, show? Sorry, our annual live show. Our, our, the anniversary of our first live show. The anniversary of our first live show, yes. Rain first might be. It'll be close. Oh, I was thinking for our San Jose show, um, which was last fall. Yeah, could be. I mean, we're, we're looking at kind of end of September, so that would yeah. be rain first-ish, but we could also do the San Jose one. My travel schedule is so messed up this year. <laughs> I'm going to too many places. <laughs> and that's still nothing compared to where you go. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have any sympathy for you. Oh, 
I also have like nothing in the way of travel funds, so it makes it a little more stressful. <laughs> Just hitchhike. That's perfectly safe. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you take me to Toronto? Can you hitchhike me across national borders? Anyway, this episode, the cool thing that we're doing is the thing that we haven't done in a little while, which is the editing challenge. Yeah. Um, following the piece that Condrell sent in for us, we got pieces from two more people, and they're both kind of short, so I'm thinking we might be able to cover both of them. I think but we can. it depends on how deeply we get into the first one. Um, what we will do is we will read the piece. We're also going to post them online when we post the episode. Um Given my uh, the tenuous nature of my voice at the moment, I would appreciate it if uh, one of you guys would read the first one and the other of you guys would read the second one when we get around to it. Um, so the first piece is uh, called Glass and is by Buck Turner. All right, I mm-hmm. have the wrong one queued up. <laughs> Let me pull that up real quick. Okay, got it. I've got it up. I've got it. Yeah, if you want to read <clears> that one. Yeah. <clears throat> la 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 la. <clears throat> Kit, we can cut this, right? <laughs> Will it be, sir? Whiskey, neat. What kind? Well, four dollars. The exchange, accompanied by a squat glass of amber rotgut, sliding across the bar, was just another reminder that the cougar was not welcome in this bar. The cougar was expressionless as he sipped his fourth whiskey of the evening, the bartender setting his change directly in front of him. An outsider would not recognize the affront, at least not until he had seen it repeated over and over again. Four times a visit, five days a week, this very exchange occurred. It was a message sent by the bartender that in an establishment where a drink could be ordered with a raised eyebrow and an imperceptible nod, that no matter how much whiskey he drank, this cougar would not be a regular. The title, sir, was another barb where everyone else was, hey, you, Bub, or you wolves, son of a bitch. In the six months of clockwork neat whiskies, neither fur had uh, neither, <clears throat> neither fur had asked or offered a name. It was an accident of need and geography that kept the cougar coming back, this bar being the furthest away from work he could stand before stopping. It was also convenient to the package store and the walk back to his apartment. He drained the last sip of his whiskey and slid the glass back t- towards the back of the bar, along with the change from his final drink. Standing up, he strode to the door, displaying no effect from the four drinks, save, perhaps, a slight shift from predatory cat towards inscrutable feline. He left behind his empty glass, on his way to replace it with a full bottle from the package store, en route to his empty apartment. And that was glass. Uh, So the purpose of this, as um, stated by Buck in his email, is to introduce the character of the cougar. So we're going to be going through it with that in mind and also with an eye towards the uh, technical aspect and structure of the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ofu, since you did such a lovely job reading it, would you like to um, kick off? Uh, I would say let's start with sort of um, start with the beginning rather. I mean, don't mm-hmm. go for like overall impressions, but let's start with how he begins it. Okay. Well. He's, he begins it with uh, loose dialogue, very short, which uh, in some cases could be effective. But the problem here is that his is a little bit indistinct. Because, I mean, okay, for example, the brand that he chooses for his whiskey is Well, W-E-L-L. Now, that's not a common brand of whiskey I'm aware of. And it could be some kind of 
you know, attempt to respond. Just, yes. just, just to explain, uh, when you're in a bar and you order something well, it just means to just get like whatever the cheap stuff they have is. Really? Yes, that really? is an actual term. I didn't know. Yeah, you, Gosh, you, okay. you, you, you order well whenever you don't care what they give you and like you don't want to order something by name. Sounds like okay. one of those beer commercials where they say, do you want something with more taste or less taste? And they say, I don't care. They might just say, well. Yeah, so like, you know, like if you're if you're going to get, you know, like, you know, like, like a screwdriver, then they're like, it's like, do you have a preference on vodka? You can just be like, well, just like whatever, you know, vodka brand of vodka that they pour into it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Is that specifically no an American either. thing? Uh, I don't know if it's just an American thing or not. I know it is an American thing. I mean, I, I have certainly ordered well drinks in the past. Hmm. Okay, well, okay. So maybe um, if it's a little bit unusual to your readers, you need to, you know, uh, present that in a way that teaches them what it is as well as, uh, you know, displaying it. But uh, it is it is jargon. Yeah. It qualifies as jargon. And you can't just drop jargon in without enough context to get it. Because mm. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, so well is a brand of whiskey. Mm. Yeah, well is code for bottom shelf. <laughs> <laughs> it's code for the cheap stuff. Okay. Right. And that would explain why why uh, the uh, the booze is described as rot gut. Yeah, although I didn't link rot gut to the type specifically. I mean, rot gut can be any kind of hard liquor. I don't know. Well, well whiskey would certainly qualify. I think like the I, the idea of drinking well whiskey makes my stomach turn. To be perfectly honest, um, yeah. So it starts I, out with this dialogue, right? And I kind of agree that the the what did you call it? Loose dialogue. Loose dialogue comes out across a bit uh, indistinct. Yeah, and I I my comment on this was that. Um, it's very common to tell writers to open in medias res, which means in the middle of the action. Mm -hmm. But you should not interpret that to mean um, opening without giving the reader any context about what's going on. Um, this is kind of the equivalent of starting a movie with a black screen and having the dialogue over it, in which case you can't let it sit for more than one or two lines. And I think you could like get away Go with... Does it. I think you could get away with just the first line and then context, but it goes on too long for my, for my taste mm. to be able to, because you're, you're, you, the reader needs some context. Like, where are we? Who's speaking? Yeah. I mean, it certainly has the feel of an awkward bar exchange, which I'm sure that part is intentional. But again, like if you're not the sort of person who knows what ordering a drink well means, and that's pretty much this whole exchange kind of, you know, you don't have enough context to figure out what's going on. I mean, I I was okay with it, but I also spend a lot of time drinking, so that might. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, my question would be, why it's a it's a stylistic decision to remove the context from the exchange. Why are you doing that? Yeah, and that's not immediately apparent. Mm, it can be done if the uh, dialogue itself holds a lot more context. Because I mean. The, the real difficulty, ultimately, is that the you know the lines "Well, it be sir, whiskey neat, what kind? Well, four dollars." This could be taking place anywhere at any time. You know, this could be you know 1920s. It could be the year 2000. It could be 
a classy place. It could be a dreary place. It, yeah. it, is, it like a, is it like a hotel bar, an airport bar, you know? Right. Exactly. It, the, the, the words themselves don't say much. They're just saying this is a, an aesthetic of ordering booze, and it's not really providing us with much meat to interpret. Right. And in this case, the context is important because the location of the bar is important to understand in the the dynamics of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, which is it's something I'll get to do bar. later, yeah. And it would almost, I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't see the point of holding back on the context until you're done with the dialogue. In this if case. the dialogue was more interesting, but yeah. Right. Well, if the dialogue told you something about the context, but it doesn't. Yeah. Or if you're doing something like really Tarantino-esque, which if you're not Tarantino, you shouldn't be trying to do. Right. <laughs> and even sometimes when you are. Y- yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that too. <laughs> Um, okay. Anything else about the beginning there? We, I think I think we've all learned something here today. Or at least me and, <laughs> me and Foos have. Yeah. And probably a lot of our listeners. Yes. Now we know how to dr- order really crappy booze. If, if you want to drink swill, but, yes. but don't want to tell the bartender, I don't give a shit. Now you can just say, well, it makes you sound classy. Despite the fact that you were ordering the, literally the least classy thing they have. <laughs> So classy way to get drunk. What's what's interesting is now I think that term does tell us something. Yeah. Because it's a classy way to say I don't care. And so it tells us that the cougar doesn't want to sound or we don't know it's the cougar yet, but the person ordering the alcohol doesn't want to sound like a low life or Yeah, it also know, implies that they, they know their way around bars. Right. Mm, but without the, with the, without teaching us what that jargon is or means or give us, it, it's really risky to use that. Cause I mean, okay, I, in a sample population of three, only one of us got it. No, no, no. I agree with that. But I'm saying that um, if if he were able to communicate what it meant, the fact that he's using that term to order it, um, as opposed to just saying, you know, if I went up to a bar and someone asked me and I didn't care about what brand. I would say, whatever, don't care. Mm. But the fact that he knows to say that and chooses See, that to makes say you that. sound just just like a drunk when you just say whatever. <laughs> Which reminds me of getting drunk in Japan when I would literally not even specify a drink. <laughs> I would just put money on the counter and they'd be like, "What do you want?" And I would say, "I don't care," and they would make me something and give it to me. Nice, classy. Thank you for sharing that. So now, we, so we know that the cougar is not just trying to get drunk, or at least we think we know that. Well, I mean, evidently, um, I'm surprised he hasn't just said "leave the bottle." Do people really say that? They do in movies. <laughs> they do. They do in fiction, and that's what this is. Right? Have you ever done that in a bar? No, I'm not sure how a bartender would actually react. <laughs> so why aren't you going to try it? I can't think of any instance where I would want to just keep drinking from a bottle of straight liquor at a bar. The only things I would like, whenever I, the only thing I order straight at bars is scotch. And if I'm going to have them leave a whole bottle, that's going to be an ass load of money that I can't (laughs) afford. So what you need to do is just say, when they come in and pour you the shot, just say, leave the bottle. And when they stare at you, go, just kidding. (laughs) 
I just wanted to see what you'd do. <laughs> I'm imagining doing this at Frolic, where, like, everyone's all, like, happy and furry and, like, dancing, and then comes this guy all maudlin looking to just nurse a bottle of scotch. <laughs> Leave the bottle. <laughs> What's the problem? Royal wedding. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Hmm. Um, I do question this guy's uh, paragraph construction because, yes, that was something I picked up yeah. on. Also, these are these are long paragraphs that sort of meander on point, and I think you could break up both of these into like two or three smaller paragraphs. Mm, and I think the the key factor here is, um, you know, what exactly is a paragraph, and uh, you know, the points word that you just used there is uh, I think very key because really, you know, you use a word. Word means something, you just need to use a word. You need more meaning, you use two words, a sentence. You know, you need to sort of have one unified meaning coming out of uh, construction, not three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, just kind of summarizing the, the first um, narration paragraph there, we start with sort of a summary of, hey, this is what this dialogue you just heard meant. And then the cougar didn't react to it. People wouldn't understand what the dialogue meant unless they'd seen it. Now I'm explaining to you what it means. It was a message sent by the bartender that the cougar would not be a regular. And then also the title was another thing about the cougar not being a regular. So you kind of have the conclusion. I mean, one of the things that I flagged was first you tell us what the exchange means. The exchange was just another reminder that the cougar is not welcome in this bar. And then you go on to explain how it shows us what it meant. And you come to a conclusion to your paragraph, and then you add another sentence after it saying, oh, and also this. So, I mean, to me, that you should get rid of that first sentence altogether. Um, because all it does is summarize what you go on to draw out in the rest of the paragraph either that or get rid of the rest of the paragraph and just say the exchange was just another reminder that the cougar is not welcome in this bar and then go on to whatever happens next you know i think i think if you look at the last couple sentences in there they're actually probably a good replacement for the paragraph as a whole and it's yeah. the title sir was another barb in a bar where everyone else was hey you bubble or you're old son of a bitch in the six months of clockwork meat whiskeys neither fur had asked for or not neither offered her name those two lines themselves tell us the rest of the story yeah. quite nicely. No, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, and, and and in that it, it is it's brief and succinct, but it also has character. Like you really get the feel of like, okay, yeah, you know, like this like neighborhood bar feel like you know, this is how people you know are supposed to act. Mm-hmm. Or how yep. they do act, except for with this guy. Um I do wanna I do wanna point out something from sort of a technical aspect to in the beginning a couple sentences there there's actually two uh technical things that jump out at me that i find myself guilty of and always have to take out of my own drafts um the first is if you break well first of all the exchange was not accompanied by a squat glass of amber rot gut it would be followed by a squat glass of amber rot gut is just sort of word choice there but the exchange was just another reminder that the cougar was not welcome in the bar. The cougar was expressionless. And then, I mean, those, I'm, 
I don't think you should slavishly follow the dictum about avoiding the passive voice, but it is interesting how it does, when you use it over and over again, it does water down the prose. And like when you say, the exchange was another reminder that the cougar was not welcome in the bar. What the passive voice does is it removes a um, it removes a protagonist. So the exchange was a reminder means is is very different from the bartender yeah. said these things to remind the cougar that he was not welcome. Then the bartender is the active party. The bartender is doing something. Yeah, I agree that the was construction definitely waters it down, which is especially unfortunate given what the guy is trying to drink. <laughs> but um, and then really. The, the cougar was expressionless is it's a, a little better, but you can still just say something like the cougar sipped his fourth whiskey of the evening expressionless as the bartender set his change directly in front of him. Yeah. Um, the putting the was in there puts too much emphasis on it. Um, when really the action that's going on in that sentence is him sipping and being expressionless is just kind of the thing that is happening alongside. Mm. From a very personal um, stylistic issue, I like getting my third-person perspective very close to my characters. So that construction, the, the cougar was expressionless. That sort of subconsciously tells us that we're external to the character watching the character. Right. And that's something I personally try to avoid, but that's a stylistic concern purely mine. Well, and also, I mean, I, I wouldn't have, I don't have as much a problem with it if it were its own sentence. If it was just something like the cougar was expressionless, because then that's the point of the sentence and it's describing him. It's more when you're putting it into a sentence where other things are going on, it puts too much weight on it without giving you an active, mm-hmm. um, an active thing to happen in the sentence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing in that sentence, that second sentence is. Uh, the cougar was expressionless as he sipped his fourth whiskey of the evening. The bartender set in his change directly in front of him. Um, and I, I, again, this is something that I'm guilty of a lot is, uh, how did I phrase it there? Using the gerund to link two actions rather than its proper use, which is an action taking time. So how long did it take the bartender to set the change in front of the cougar? Because... If he sipped his whiskey while the bartender was setting the change down in front of him, that implies that the setting the change was going on yeah. the whole time that the cougar was sipping his whiskey. Um, and mm-hmm. really, I, and the reason I recognize this is, again, because I do it all the time, you're doing it to, because it sounds okay and it kind of varies the construction of the sentence and it's a way to link the actions without, um, without putting too much work into the sentence. But it's actually, if you break that sentence down and you kind of look at what the words mean, it's not very correct. So you'd want to say something more like, the cougar sipped his whiskey as the bartender set his change down in front of him. Or the bartender set the change, and again, set is kind of a a weak verb there because the bartender could toss the change down, could slide the change, slap the change down. um, That's really said bookish. What he's doing is he's putting it down. Right. Finding an alternative word for that is, you know, you can do it, but, you know, just the word put can be, you know, very direct. Right. And I, I don't have a big objection to set, but what you'd want to say is something like, the bartender set the change down 
um, as the cougar picked up his glass to sip his whiskey or something like that. if you <laughs> and if, flipped him off while he was not looking right and, <laughs> and again if you're the question is too if you're not um, if the action is not telling you anything about the scene if the way that the bartender sets the change down is not important if the fact that he sets it down is not important to the plot then why is it in there and he mentions mm. that you know that's another dig is the fact that he's you know, putting this change down, but he doesn't explain why. I don't think that's what's a dig. And and that's, well, which is another problem with the, the paragraph construction. Yeah. Because when he's, the bartender set the change directly in front of him, then says, an outsider would not recognize the affront. But I think what he means by the affront is the dialogue. Okay. Then, and yeah, not that, the set and the change that, down. Then, yeah, we have a subject or topic agreement. Right. No. Um, so it, or yeah, topic it, agreement it, issue, it, rather. It does. It does kind of wander. It wanders around topic-wise, but um, yeah, be careful of the the Jaren thing because Jarens are supposed to be for actions that take a period of time during which some other shorter actions happen. So you like, I was running home when I saw the stop sign. Yeah, you know, running home takes a while. Seeing the stop sign is an instant thing. Um, or the bartender, the bartender was took a long time counting the change while the cougar sipped his whiskey. Right. Something like that. Another thing, and this isn't the issue here, but when you also link things with Jaren's, that's where you run into uh, dangling participle issues a lot, which again is not the problem here, but that is something to keep an eye out for. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, hacksaw rat, is this sufficiently hacksawed pieces? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <clears throat> um, if, if, I, if I want to be a bit of a bitch, I can point out that in several segments, he's really doing a lot of uh, over-explanation. You know, he's... Uh, I mean, for example, giving it like just this one sentence, okay? It was a message sent by the bartender that in an establishment where a drink could be ordered with a raised eyebrow and an imperceptible nod, that no matter how much whiskey he drank, this cougar would not be a regular. Okay? This is an extreme over-explanation of, you know, it was a message sent by the bartender that this cougar would not be a regular. Um... You know, and it's not really providing much aesthetic value. But the, 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 there's another issue, which is um, in his line, the title, sir, was in the bar, in a bar where everyone else was, hey, you bubble, you old son of a bitch. None of the quotations, because he's using double quotation marks, are capitalized. And that somehow doesn't seem, seem right to me. No, I'm okay with that. But that might be a yeah, American I'm I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, thing. too, because sir isn't capitalized either. Maybe, maybe um, I think maybe the, the the thing that's confusing me is that I'd usually expect to see single quotations around, uh, you know, stuff like that. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's we need American a copy thing. editor. Possible. Um, also, the comma should be inside the quotations, and um, if you're an American, there should be a comma after bub. Mm. Um, if you're British, you can get away without. But Oxford. you have to be consistent. Exactly. Um. Yeah, no, and I and I agree. I agree with that. It's um, it's kind of like this whole paragraph is basically the cougar's not welcome in the bar. Um, the cougar doesn't care. The cougar's not welcome in the bar. This happens over and over again. The bartender was telling the cougar that he's not welcome in the bar. The title sir was another indication that the cougar's not welcome in the bar. <laughs> um, another example of that is he sipped his fourth whiskey of the evening, followed by that sentence four times a visit five days a week. You know, uh, we're getting told a lot of things twice. Right. 
it certainly it it could be compressed. And I think what you want to do with a paragraph like this is say what what does the paragraph want to tell you? Basically, I think the purpose of this paragraph is to explain as succinctly as possible the dialogue what the dialogue means basically that the cougar's an outsider. And you could do this, you could break this up like you could say what will it be, sir? And then you could have a line of narration after that that said Sir, still after six months, everyone else in the bar was, hey, you, or son of a bitch, or bub. And then whiskey, neat, as though the bartender didn't know, you know. And then you could build up the meaning of the dialogue without having to tell the reader, you know, hey, by the way, all this stuff you just heard, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, there there is an aspect of, like, sort of trying to explore the, the psychological um, battlefield here and that would be a lot more effective with the dialogue in play you know so we actually are given you know the psychological you know cannon shot of sir with an explanation of why it's uh, you yeah. know why it's a blow to this guy like i want to see like the look on this bartender's face when he's talking to him you know right. that sort of thing like the whole just like you know dismissive nostril snort and and i would almost i would move the sir actually if I were going to break it up that way, I would move the sir down to the $4 because then you say, what'll it be? And then you, you have your reaction to that, which is, you know, same thing. It's been every day this week, every day, last week, every day for the last six months, whiskey neat. And then what kind? And then it says, you know, we had to go through, they had to go through this charade every time. And says, well, and then $4, sir. And then you get the extra, the sir was an extra bar where, because I do like, I have to say, I like things like um, a drink could be ordered with a raised eyebrow and an imperceptible nod. I like that line. Um, I like the idea of the the title sir being actually a barb. Um, I think it's maybe a little bit overexplained, but. I like a lot of the concepts that he's that he's trying to get across in the paragraph. Yeah. I just think I mean that that part paints a pretty good picture, right? But I mean that's like the sort of like the the core nugget yes. of <laughs> what's otherwise like kind of an overlong paragraph. Did you just say the corn nugget? Core, okay. <laughs> As in the central theme or idea, right? No, no, corn nugget just sounds like something McDonald's is going to start offering in about fifteen years oh. when all the chicken runs out. <laughs> Why is there no more vodka? And people Because I have to throw up now. And people don't want any more high fructose corn syrup, and we have millions of tons of corn that we have to do something with. See, over in England, they've got corn. <laughs> what? Corn? You don't know about corn? No. I, I know about corn. Yes. Uh, my, my family, I have family members who, like, throw up violently. Corn, for those of you who don't know, is sort of like, if you take, like, normal food, and you try to compose it out of like biologically like unstable fungus. What? Right. What? It, you know how they have like soy turkey dogs and uh-huh. tofurkey and stuff. Well, like imagine that, but without the great taste of soy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I actually, I think I actually try to. You can you can get corn here in the U.S. Also now. Um, Is it like Q U? O-R-N? It is exactly that. Because like, when I see that, I'm like, is that some sort of hybrid between quinoa and corn? Because that sounds pretty good. No. <laughs> I think I keep thinking it's made of corn, but it's actually not. Oh, it's not? 
I don't believe no. so. What is it made out of then? Well, fungus? What Foos was just saying, it's fungus. Reconstituted mycoproteins? Yes. Oh, that's yes. terrible. And I, lo- I love the way it can just say reconstituted mycoproteins. It's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Listeners, now you know what that means. And because of the way, you know, fungus lives, all corn are part of the same organism, and it's like a 20,000 years old. <laughs> oh, God, this is like getting into some, like, Arthur C. Clarke childhood end shit. Like, ah, uh, let's not... Let's... I think it's more Lovecraftian myself. <laughs> it's the, the color from space. Beyond Time and Space. <laughs> <laughs> beyond the Mountains of Corn. <laughs> oh. Let's try, never mind. We have another paragraph. We have yeah, another paragraph, paragraph the third. On. Let's go on to paragraph the, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Let's kick us off, Foos. I would like to lead off by saying that the first first piece, which is, it was an accident of need and geography that kept the cougar coming back. That little piece is good, but the thing is, there's a problem with this. There's a comma after the word back, and then we follow with this bar being the furthest away from work he could stand before stopping. This kind of ruins the flow of the things. I mean, it was an accident of need and geography that kept the cougar coming back. Period. Yes. That's, got, that's got a good flow. Yeah. It was an accident of need and geography that kept the cougar coming back. This bar being the furthest away from work it could stand before stopping. You know, it, it just immediately kills it. Right. And then being is combines the two points I was making earlier of being passive voice and an inappropriate gerund. Um, this bar being the furthest away from work he could stand before stopping was is Yeah, just and all, that's, that's an awkward it's, construction. It's awkward and it's all weak and I kind of get what it means but if you said something like i mean you'd you'd want something more like you know every day when he left work he resolved to go as far as he could and every day he turned in at the doorway of this bar or something yeah because if you did just have a period at that midpoint instead of the comma i mean that's fine but like when you have this sort of like wishy-washy ending it almost by contrast makes the first half of the sentence feel overwrought and by itself it wouldn't be right no i do like that first sentence also well, it's not a sentence, it's first clause. Clause, yeah. But it should be its own sentence. You say clause. He's a cougar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're not allowed to say things no more. Okay. I'm going to go pour myself Hurry's another screwdriver. Is it still a screwdriver or a pineapple? Can't liquor me up. Yeah, it's a pineapple screwdriver. Okay. <laughs> Actually, when I when I order Is that at a bar, when I when I order that at a bar, I say, "Can I have a vodka pineapple?" And that's what they give me. Wow. Do you specify the brand? No. G- generally speaking, if you're ordering a cocktail and do not specify, they just make it well. The only time you ever really need to say well is if you're ordering like straight up liquor, or if they outright ask, because classier places will ask you. Like if you go like, "Oh, like you know, I'll." You know, I'll have a screwdriver, and like nice places go like, "Do you have a preference on vodka, sir?" And then you would say, "Well, if you don't, right." And that's less trashy than saying than like saying. the stuff that comes in the big plastic jug. <laughs> yes, I want pop a three liter bottle of pink zin. <laughs> oh God, that's ah uh, that 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 story is horrible. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah. So. Then after that, after that first clause, um, yeah, the paragraph kind of falls apart for a while. Yeah, the second sentence, proper sentence, not like part of the sentence, 
it is uh, it was also convenient to the package store on the walk back to his apartment. I just felt that was really sort of tacked on. It doesn't have much weight. It doesn't really tell us much. Right. I mean, okay, it, it, it gets across a couple of facts, but, you know, the facts currently don't feel like they mean anything. Right. I would agree. Um, and I think, I think it's, it's like a, you have this kind of strong statement. It was an accident of need and geography that kept the cougar coming back. Ideally, you would then explain a little bit what that was. And then you have this, oh, and also it was convenient to this. Instead of Get making that in somewhere else, right? Or instead of making it the fact that you know, perhaps if he didn't feel the need to stop by the package store on the way home, he would have stopped at a different bar. Yeah, include the package store in the accident of need and geography rather than sort of tacking it on at the end. I think just after that uh, second sentence, we see a very good opportunity for a possible paragraph break because suddenly yes. we change focus. And we're going to, he drained the last sip of whiskey and slid the glass towards the back of the bar, along with the change from his final drink. And I'd just like to really point out that that feels like a, a big shift in focus already. And that's a good spot to stick in a paragraph break. Yes, I would agree. I'm also kind of wondering why he's tipping this jerk bartender. <laughs> what are they going to do? Treat you not as good? <laughs> that doesn't seem to be an issue. So one of the things that I do think is interesting, along with the comment, along with the way he orders well and the fact that he tips the bartender, um, it feels to me, and I think that if this was the intention, I think this is well done. It feels to me like he wants to be a regular. But he's not putting in the effort. Like He's, he's putting in a couple – well, well – They said like neither of them had asked for or offered a name. It's like – if you want to fit in, like, you know, get, try to get to know these people. And he's clearly not trying to get to know these people. Yeah. The mm. one thing I'm confused about, and it was like one of the first things I thought is, okay, he's apparently walking home from work, you know, to his apartment. Good thing. And this bar is along the way. And it's just like, how is he not a neighborhood regular? If it's like a walk that's short enough that you can, you know, just do this on your way home. Like, how does he not fit into this neighborhood bar? And that's not really explained. Right. And that was that was something that I think I pointed out, too, is, you know, we don't ever get to know. And, and that might be something that's coming later on. Yeah. But it would be nice to have a hint of why. Yeah. I mean, something's within walking welcome. distance of your work and where you live. I mean, that's pretty much like your stopping grounds at that right. point. So he kind of mm. must have done something. Yeah. Or else he's just standoffish. Or they're racist. But, Oh, maybe cats. they're racist against cougars. Because we don't know what species Ooh. the bartender is. If this were one yeah, of we, my we, stories, we, he'd be dead in a couple paragraphs. <laughs> if this was one of my stories, he would kill himself when he got home. <laughs> That's not true. The only, person, my the only person who's killed himself in one of my stories is somebody who was a <laughs> yes, you know, wife-beater, basically. Yeah, I'm not sure what he'd do if this was one of my stories. Probably find out he was a clone. Mm. <laughs> Clothes can't get drunk. No! <laughs> His apartment wouldn't be empty, but it would just be full of himself. Yes. Oh. Oh. I made the otter sad. You're not allowed to say things anymore. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah. I think the next sentence is a good example of what not to do. Because... <laughs> This one sentence is very overloaded with meaning. It goes also. He's standing got a, up, the one that starts with standing up. Uh huh. It's yes. got that problem there because it's standing up. He's stroke. I think you can 
it's a bit snarky, but I think one can tell that there's a problem there because he's standing up and striding at the same time. Right. Yeah. You can In say, the course of standing yeah. up, he strode to the door, which is a and yeah, you can like you're not making it perfect, but you can improve this like a lot by saying, you know, he stood up, strode to the door, you know, mm-hmm. displaying, and yeah, you know, there you go, like just change the tense and the voice, and, and then and then we have the rest of the you sentence. You can improve though, that but, part of it, yeah. But don't worry, folks. The sentence isn't even remotely over yet because <laughs> following standing up and striking the door, he he <clears throat> he goes displaying no effects from the four drinks, save perhaps a slight shift from predatory cat towards inscrutable feline. Now, somehow, I just don't get that these things are linked at all. And it's only a slight shift between those two things. He seems pretty darn inscrutable. Yeah. Um, I can't screw him at all. (laughs) I mean, I know he drinks shitty whiskey, and that's about it. Um... (laughs) But uh, yeah, and and we never saw the predatory cat part of it, so it's kind of like, you know, oh, just so you know, he was a little more predatory before, but now he's because yeah, he he seemed just sort of like a miserable bastard and not particularly yeah. predatory at all, right? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like saying that you know, like uh, Cam Harasaki is a teetotaling churchgoer. Yeah, you know, but now he's got a now he's getting pretty wild. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like if if in the beginning he like strides up to the bar, sits down confidently, sound. smacks his you know open palm on the bar and demands his drink, and the bartender snaps into action and gives it to him, then yeah, I would buy that as predatory cat, not moping at well fourth, whiskey. Like, right. Then after the fourth drink, he's like. You still don't know what I want. It's because you're so inscrutable. <laughs> it's because you're a cougar. Nobody here likes cats. Go home. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Channel in my book. <laughs> I think. I think uh, another significant thing is that it's so close to something that could work. It really stands out as something that doesn't. Because you know, like with the standing up, with the striding, we have two fairly key points where we can observe the character's gait, you know, how he moves. And somehow, you know, having that, that would be a good place to sort of have the guy be a bit more predatory, but, you know, slower, you know, more sort of slinky cat because he's drunk rather than stalky cat. Shakes his ass at the bartender. Right. (laughs) Missing out. (laughs) <laughs> this is what you get for not asking me for my number <laughs> I'll be at the package store later <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's terrible wow I didn't even realize that until I said it <laughs> even, in the, even, like in a, even in a literal sense it's terrible it's like Blood's I'm just gonna like, hang out buying liquor until you decide you want to have sex with me <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we're at the package store now. <laughs> Just what kind of package do you get at the package store? Ah, oh, Kit's shaking his head. <clears throat> but we're still not done. There's more to go. We have, he left behind his empty glass, on its way to replace it with a full bottle from the package store, en route to his empty apartment, when we at last discover what the point behind this package store is. Right. <laughs> because I think that it's a good concept, but I don't think it's executed well. Right. I agree with that. Um I 
I'm sort of passingly familiar with the concept of a package store. Um, but it is it, a northeasternly term for liquor store. Yes, uh, that's which is kind of where I'm aware of it from. But it's not something that I use in um, common parlance. Like where I grew up, it wasn't a package store; it was a state store. Okay, because it only sold liquor through the state, and so you know, actually. Was, this would this would probably mean something to Foos. Have I, have I ever told you about the uh, where, where I come from? What our our little slang term for a package store is? Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it the packy. <laughs> which oh, one of my friends from the UK heard this and <laughs> flipped out. He's like, "No, you can't say that." And I'm like, "That's what we call it. It's the packy." And I really know that means a very, very, very different thing on the other side of the pond. He oh will. My God, you're gonna get yourself stabbed. He, like, he will. He will. Um, no, this other friend would like. He would cheerfully say any other oh, curse word yeah. that you could think, any he, other inappropriate so, word, he, and he was so horrified at this, it was yeah. really funny. Like, nothing nothing appalled this. Like, he told, like, this is the guy who told, like, tasteless Jade Goody jokes, and, like, still could not abide me even saying the word packy in a completely unrelated context. Right, right. For uh, those of you wondering, it's a bit of an ethnic slur for someone from Pakistan. Which is particularly sensitive in the UK because there was a lot of racial tension with mm-hmm. um, Pakistani immigrants. And, no uh, kidding. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very uh, just interesting context and right. I point out, however, that in this case, um, learning about the term package store, I am clearly not of you guys' uh, cultural background, but I did pick it up. So this is an instance of using the jargon with enough context to teach us what it means. Yep. Quite. Um, what did you think about the empty, full, empty in the sentence? Uh, I have to admit, I didn't pick that up until we pointed yeah, it out. Yeah, neither did I. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Kyle's got a very good eye for these things. <laughs> um, huh? my, my thought of it is that I like the echoing of empty, and I wrote a note about it. This was, oh no, this wasn't the note I wrote that went on forever and ever. Um, the so the empty glass has been mentioned a couple times already. So you have the empty glass on his way to replace it with a full bottle from the package store. If you left it there, that would be a nice little bit of echoing. You know, the glass is empty, yeah. the bottle the bottle is full, but and then you kind rest. of you kind of add the empty apartment, and the apartment is not empty for the same reason that the glass is empty. I mean, just just sort of mm-hmm. literally. If you if you're trying to link them, I think there's better ways to link them. I would almost want to see him saying, you know, going back to his empty apartment from the bar that might as well be empty for all that anyone in there took notice of him. Um, mm-hmm. Or I wouldn't mind a strong link between the guy's drinking problem and his empty apartment. You know, sort right. of like an inclination towards you know, sort of saying. You know, that full bottle is why the apartment was empty. Right. And actually, I think if you leave out the full bottle, if you just say, you know, he left the empty glass behind him on way on his way home to his empty apartment, um, I think that's stronger also. Because then you do have that. It creates that link. It creates a link between the drinking habits and the empty apartment. And sticking the mm. full bottle from, I think, is trying to do a little too much in that sentence. Mm. 
I would have written it more like uh, his empty apartment waited for him now that his glass is empty too. Something like that, you know, like a, a very direct one-to-one thing. Mm-hmm. Empty like his soul. Except you would have written like <laughs> empty as he never allowed the clip on his AK-47 to get. <laughs> when have I written about AK-47s, huh? Well, it's always uh, made-up things. You don't, but I can't call to mind any of your made-up things right now. Uh, it was empty, just like everybody's life is of meaning. <laughs> I wish I could do my uh, He's not emo kid hair flip uh, emoticon, but I'm actually talking to you now, so I can't. Mm, yes. Sorry. Nobody understands me, hair flip. <clears throat> I'm so nonconformist. I refuse not to conform with the rest of you. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, any sort of... I think we've, we've dissected this pretty well, and hopefully... Um, well, we haven't dissected it as a whole. We've only dissected it in parts. That's true. And I do have comments on it as a whole also. Mm. Yeah. Um, my overall comments, again, like I mentioned, I'm still left wondering what it is that is making him an outsider at this place that by all accounts he shouldn't be. And that's important. And I think that needs to, like, we at least need to have a hint of it because right now we don't. Like, I'm not getting any indication as to why he is getting this treatment. Like, why going to a place every day and ordering the same thing over and over, like, for as long as he has, has gotten him any inroads with, like, the local crowd. Like, why is nobody talking to him? Like, because it's apparently not just the bartender, but nobody else there, you know, considered as a regular either. Like, why? Like, that is, like, my biggest thought after reading this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel that uh, it, it's not just the questions that aren't answered. I think it's the, you know, because the thing is, he, he's, he's writing it like there's an aesthetic he's trying to reach, which is, you know, this gritty, noirish kind of, you know, booze hall and, you know, misery sort of vibe. But he doesn't quite, you know, his prosody, um, you know, his work choice, these things don't quite, you know, add up to what he was looking for. And I think that's possibly most apparent in the way that the, you know, the, the loose dialogue at the front kind of slams into these, you know, these two very hefty paragraphs that are these walls of text. You know, it's sort of like he was trying to do one thing and he sort of go, went, okay, I'm going to have this light, airy, you know, sort of uh, quick moving prose. And then he stopped and he cho- changed gears entirely. And I think, you know, there's, there's problems here like that. Right, and if you're trying for a noir kind of feel, there's a certain aesthetic and a certain style that you use, and that loose dialogue does not really fit into the noir style. Each dialogue or each line of dialogue in a noir piece tends to have yeah. weight and is accompanied by some sort of expression, con- yeah. meaning, context, uh, mm-hmm. you know, description of even like the person's voice, and right? That sort of thing. Occasionally interspersed with some personal narrative, yeah, right. Um, yeah, my comment is, I think this partly succeeds as an introduction to the character. Uh, it doesn't really tell us much about him. It tells us that he's an alcoholic, uh, that he lives alone, and that people in the bar don't like him. Um, we get kind of conflicting reports on his personality. Part of it, doesn't he doesn't seem to care that people don't like him, but then the, the little things like the ordering well and tipping the bartender kind of indicate that part of him does want people to like him, does want to be accepted as a regular. 
Um, as KM said, we don't get any indication as to why there's this tension between him and the people in the bar. He might be forced to leave his droids outside. Kit, what's the uh, mm-hmm. what, what what's the time? Is that a new record for time elapsed in an episode before Star Wars reference? One hour. All right. Damn. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> So all in all, I think with I, I think it does have promise, and I think with um, with some editing, with an eye towards um, keeping a paragraph to be a block of devoted to a point, as KM said, and, yeah. and as Foosball pointed out, there's some good places where you can break the paragraphs here. Um, but think about kind of what you want to say with each paragraph and how they flow into each other. And I think that's uh, just sort of paying attention to that could really improve this immensely. Yeah, I mean, you know, sand around the edges and sort of narrow the focus in. And I think that, you know, as a character introduction, this can work. It just needs that spudoinkle done to it. Jewish Japanese otter. Um, yeah. I, go ahead. I, We're called Japanese. <laughs> I think I'd look very heavily towards the aesthetic because I think that you know if we look at the number of facts being handed over here, the, 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 you know you could really compress this down to very very little prose and, and still get across the same meaning. But what we really want here is the aesthetic, and I'd really work hard towards building that up. I think I'm. I feel it's a very important thing here. Yeah, I mean, for one thing that I've noticed is there's pretty much no description of the bar itself. We know right. that the people who go there go by nicknames, and that's about it. Like, you know, is, is it a smoky bar? Is it dark? Is it dingy? Is it noisy? Is it, you know, do people gather up at the actual bar? Do people sit at tables? You know, is there a jukebox? You know, is there some dude in the corner playing a banjo? Like, And, the, and those things are all part of the noir aesthetic, too, if that's right. what you're aiming for. Mm. Um, all right. So since we're at an hour, um, I know we didn't, we didn't have a lot to say about the second one. Do you want to read uh, it and maybe do like five, ten minutes? Yeah, we should, we should probably at least just touch on it as just sort of like a bit of contrast. Okay, why don't mm-hmm. you introduce this and tell us who it's from and all that. Okay, so this is from Unsheathed's own Atari, my fellow otter. Uh, otter pride. Yes, otter pride, bro fist. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, his sort of you know, thing to go over for what he has submitted for uh, editing. And we apologize because I realize that both of these have been sitting in our inbox for the better part of a year before we got to them. Yeah, but uh, about nine months. This is sort of a, a dialogue exchange. And uh, I've, you know, we have at least a few things to say about it. Listen here, your old ghoul, Hartford said, pushing himself up from the column and poking his finger into Fairbanks's chest. I know what my people need. I know what this whole empire needs, as a matter of fact. Just you watch. After today, there's no telling what the empire will be capable of. Pushing the ferret's hand away from his chest gingerly, Fairbank said, Believe what you want, Hartford. I won't stop you. I've been a councilman longer than you've been alive, though, so I would advise you to listen to my words. The ferret slouched back against the column, folding his arms and tapping his claws along his elbows. Whatever you say, sir, he said. Why are you here, though? I've never known you to revel in defeat before, and Emperor Nolan didn't force any of the councilmen to attend the proclamation. 
He looked warily at the old, smiling rabbit. And you want to lead off with your comments? Thank you for that lovely reading. Oh, thank you. Thank you for not doing a New Zealand accent. <laughs> I was going to say, if I hadn't made a Star Wars reference already, I'd be, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, this is begging for it. The Emperor did not Fear will keep the outer systems in line. Fear of this battle station. <laughs> the Emperor has dissolved the council. <laughs> You're f- we aren't intimidated by your sorcerer's ways, Fairbanks. <laughs> your sad devotion to your ancient religion. Sorry. So clearly what, what our estimation of this is is that it should be written in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> then it would be much improved. I don't know if ferrets and rabbits really work in Star Wars. Oh, sure, but little green puppets and um, squid people do. <sighs> They're called quarrens, okay? They share the planet with the Mon Calamari. Are they also made of reconstituted mycoproteins? But yeah, you definitely get... You know, just even from the dialogue that this is a a very political exchange and these are politically savvy people, even if you didn't say things like about, you know, like empire and, you know, uh, what's the word coronation? Is it proclamation? Like just from the the style of the banter, you kind of get that from it. At least I do. Mm. I do find that uh, there's a bit of a conflict because we start off with Hartford being kind of, you know, powerful crusadery. And then we have the response from uh, Fairbanks, which is kind of powerful and crusadery. And then the second Hartford piece, you know, is a bit flat in comparison, I found. He seems to have, you know, just by having his hand pushed away, he sort of, (laughs) you know, had the wind blown out of his sails. You pushed my hand away gingerly. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> um, it's just yeah, that's a bit of a whiplash effect. Too fast. Too fast loses the. Uh, you know, I, I personally lost the thread of the character. You know, when, when it's too fast to change. Right. <laughs> You're a ferret. You can't be held responsible for government issues. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, right. Go play with a shiny thing. <laughs> yeah, it, I, motherfucker. It um yeah, it does it does it does kind of transition quickly in that third paragraph. Although again, you know, it's kind of hard to tell from this piece, but you know, maybe he is just bipolar and <laughs> anything can switch him off. I mean, like I'm going to be the best ferret ever. You should hold on a second, son. Oh, you're right. I can't do anything right. I mean, I can see a situation where, like, you know, if we knew more about what was going on here before this, where, like, you know, if, you know, Hartford is sort of like, you know, junior senator from Illinois, and then he's like, look, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. Like, you, Nick, you know, you, you don't have the savvy that I do, and just sort of calling him out on it and just sort of, you know, kicking his little, like, wooden stool out from under him. Yeah, I can see where, you know, that would, you know, be something where being, you know, cornered on a matter of seniority would do it, but it sounds like they're alone. Well, and, so. but, and also I would say, in, if the second paragraph, if, if there was something more substantial there, if he was saying, well, you may think you know what the Empire needs, but are you aware of the situation that's happening in, you know, southern 
corn hut right now. Yeah. Where the the people are rebelling for a surplus of this very same thing that you think everybody needs, and then the ferret's like, well, shit, I didn't know about that. Yeah, or, or you know, something like, you know what, I dealt with almost this exact situation, like, when you know, when you were still, you know, in diapers. Right. And it's like, you know, or something historical, or, yeah, exactly. or saying, or, you know, you think you know everything, but you also think you have Councilman Magellan's support, and the ferret's like, but I do, and he's like, Oh, sit down, little ferret, and listen to me. <laughs> Gray muzzle superiority. Slap. <laughs> I would like to point out, you know, we're sort of picking, how do I put it? We're, we're, we're um, generating a lot of stuff that isn't there. You know, we're sort of imagining what might be surrounding the thing. But as presented, yes. it doesn't have any of that. Right. As presented, it's, it's you know, it, it's missing that. And it needs that other stuff. Yeah. Even agree. if it's just hinting at it, because the thing is, the stuff the, the the scene as presented is actually quite closed. It doesn't have an open feel to it. You know, it doesn't actually feel to me like there is. You know, this other province of corn hut or whatever. You know, off to the side. Yeah, it, it, it Land feels of the microproteins. <laughs> it's too um, bad we don't name our episodes. This would be Corn Hut Central, Corn Central. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I think what we're saying, I mean, there, this it's definitely seen with a primary um, event. And the, the, the action that happens in this scene is that Fairbanks deflates Hartford. And we see the effect of that, but we do not get a sufficient action, I guess, to account yeah. for the effect. Especially because he, he implies that either Fairbanks or, you know, Fairbanks' side in this whatever's happened has lost like they're on the they've lost something right yeah like did he you know you know lose re-election you know did you know the you know democrats obtain super majority in the galactic senate like i, don't I think, think this is where senate nolan nolan got himself declared emperor and uh <laughs> councilman jar jar voted for it and oh god I'm just tormenting KM now. Jar Jar would be a fair. Kid is kid is kid is telling us that we we have about five minutes to wrap this up. Briefly, I'm just curious about this. Do you guys find that the furry habit of using a species name instead of a name as a pronoun sort of thing, you know, like the ferret, as opposed to the guy's name, which uh, whatever it was, Hartford. You, does that bug you guys? Because it, it, it drives me crazy. It, well, see, it doesn't, but we have been in multiple arguments about this with other yes. people. Because it does bother a lot of it people. It bothers some people. Yeah. I wouldn't say a lot. It, it bothers, yeah. Um, I'm it fine with it. Me a, it reminds me a lot of said bookism. You know, that whole sort of thing where, you know, we have a simple word. The simple word is said. Said is practically invisible. Why not just use it, you know? Well, the problem, and the problem with that, though, is that said becomes visible if it's used multiple times in a row. Yeah. Not as much as other words. Yes. I mean, well, no, not said, as... said, said, and it's pretty invisible. No, well, I, right, not if you, not when you have them separated by whole paragraphs whole of narration. description and narration and, and whatnot, but and, you know, I read a book, I read a, a story by an actual, you know, published author, well-known author, that had a, an exchange of dialogue where each thing was like one line and it went on for about 12 or 13 lines, and every single line was, he said, Joe said, Steve said, he said, Joe said, Steve said, he said. And by like the fourth or fifth one down, I was like, oh my god, find something else to do here. Somebody exclaim, 
<laughs> or just like use drop a use tag. action to, for dialogue or drop a tag, yeah, or something. But but, yeah, yeah, but I, I think I th- but I think names in general are quite you know transparent like that. I think you can get away with using names repeatedly. Um, I, and I would agree with that to some extent. Um, but I would also say that I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad practice if not overused. Because yeah. I mean the the point that we've made is and I've found this out right in a book with mostly humans in it, um, I struggle for other things to use because you can't use names repeatedly over and over again beyond a certain point. Um so I find myself saying things like the sorcerer, the black robed man, which always makes me think of the Iliad and yeah. you know, grey eyed Athena yeah, and stuff like sea. that. The What's the one they use for Odysseus? I can't remember, but uh, yeah, they have where they have like whole lines devoted to yeah. with, of yeah. different adjectival phrases. But it's in a in a place where there are many different species. Species would be one thing that you would use to differentiate people. Yeah, and um, I think I think that the reason people say is like, oh well, like you know, we don't write like this normally. It's like, well, no, but it's sort of the default that you are writing about the civilization that we are a part of, and our civilization is at least you know homogenous. And I mean, like if if you're reading like period fiction, you know, that's set in you know like you know like the American West or something, and like you know like there's like one character who's like the Chinaman, like. I'm right. certain in the prose, like they won't just call it his name. Like they'll, he'll be referred to as the Chinaman. Like, well, and I was just going to say, if you had kind of an adventurers club in like in Africa in the 1800s, and you had an Englishman and a Dutchman and a German and a American, yeah, you'd I heard this joke. <laughs> the Dutchman says, um, <laughs> but no, but you would, you would, and, and you know, Joseph Conrad does that all the time. Um, you know, the Dutchman said this, and I'm. Using it in my book, because one of my characters is of Irish descent, so occasionally I call him the Irishman. But actually, this draws an especial uh, focus to the nationality. And I think that, you know, when you're doing that deliberately, it's quite good. But, I mean, here, you know, we don't seem to have much of a reason to, you know, worry that one of them is a ferret and one's a rabbit, even though ferrets eat rabbits. True. (laughs) Lolvor. or... Yeah, and I do think it's... I... it, It is... A little bit cheap, but it is also a reminder that we're in a furry world. Um, mm. I would rather have the reminders come in in better ways, but I don't think it's bad to have um, the placeholders yeah. like that. Because, I would rather that than you know saying like you know so and so grinned with his lupine muzzle every other line or then his that's- mask. Yeah. Because honestly, we don't have a big vocabulary built up of things that tell us this character is a fox. Other than to say, you know, oh, he was vulpine, um, he had a long, he his long red tail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we were, if we lived in that world, then we would have all kinds of little subtle cues where we'd say, oh, foxes always, you know, do this. And so when you describe They're someone always doing that, it's a fox. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> Swishier than a French maid and easier than the TV guide crossword. <laughs> All right, Kit is Kit is has had enough. <laughs> I think so, it's Kyle. I win. <laughs> <laughs> very briefly, I will say that a very helpful thing I find when reading through these things and looking for problems is to pretend that I'm a complete idiot and that I don't understand anything unless it's being said very clearly. 
Mm-hmm. And I find that that's very go, useful. Go, go, go to 4chan to learn that skill, by the way. <laughs> she'll certainly be like, I don't understand anything. I think, but Why I is this thing really a thing? I mean, you know, by admitting that you can be wrong about something, you naturally sort of go, I don't want to be wrong. I want this text that I'm reading to make me feel like I've got it right. right. I think that's a, a thing to aim for. And and I would say real real brief. These, I'm sort of summarizing things we talked about a little bit beforehand. Um, first paragraph of this, the dialogue, a little bit overdone. Um, yeah, I know it a bit gives it more punch. I know what this whole empire needs. Um, the as a matter of fact is kind of is a little too much. Um, the whole after today, there's no telling what the empire will be capable of is a little too much. But again, we don't have the surrounding context. Yeah, um, and I think also and actually that line could be changed to give context of why true why things with, you know with this blah you know by yeah. mobilizing these troops the empire can do whatever yeah because anyway. when he says like you know he's like I know what people need I know what this whole empire needs and then like and you know, with, you know now that <laughs> now that such and such you know we're gonna show you up and then right. you know Fairbanks can just sort of smack his paw away and be like sit down and shut up for two seconds so I can tell well, then that gives him I'm gonna learn more, you about how it is and that gives him something more concrete to play off of too, yeah where he says oh yeah you remember when we had corn back 30 years ago and everyone died um anyway uh last one too the whole i've never known you to revel in defeat before and emperor nolan didn't force any of the councilmen to attend the proclamation smacks me a little bit too much of hey reader i'm explaining to you why it's unusual for this person to be here (laughs) um we're meeting now for the first time yes as you remember (laughs) (laughs) as you know back on our planet marva (laughs) anyway but i'm not talking about things we both already know but just something like why are you here though um come to revel in your defeat or something like that yeah but Mm. speaking of which for people who haven't seen it the Lost Skeleton of Cadavra is like the movie to watch if you want to know how to not do dialogue. Oh yeah, because they literally do that. <laughs> yes, but they do it on purpose, so it's no, yeah. Awesome. So, but you can you can see how awkward it sounds. Yes, yeah. I think it's actually like standardized as the as you know, Bob infodump. Yes, <laughs> as we both know, I've actually seen that. Like as we both know, and it's just like, why are you saying it? Yeah, no. Mm. All right, um, we're going to wrap this up. If you guys have a, uh, hopefully it's a little bit longer than the pieces that we got here, like maybe a 500-ish, four 500-ish word piece that you would like us to consider for an editing challenge episode in an, in another nine months, um, please send it in to <laughs> unsheathedpodcast. Possibly sooner, we, we don't know. Unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, follow us as unsheathed on Fur Affinity. Uh, do not bother sending us private notes on that account because we really don't check them all that often. Yeah. Um, but you can send me a private note as Kyle on Fur Affinity, or you can follow me on Twitter and LiveJournal as Kyle Gold. And uh, LiveJournal is where I keep most of my updates, but I post to Twitter when I post a LiveJournal article. So. And I am Cam Hirasaki on all three of those. Probably the quickest way to get in touch with me is to either hit me up on Twitter or just send me an email. Yeah, I generally prefer email for correspondence. I've had people ask me like questions on Twitter, like, "How do you continue to be inspired when you're under a deadline?" No, oh, yeah, like, okay, that's not a 140 character answer. But 
And I'm not going to spam tweet my feed responding to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can and find foosball at sinismycoprotein.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can email me at foosball at sinisbeautiful.com, foosball with three Zs, or uh, you can stalk these two other guys and follow them when they're talking to me, and you'll find me like that. I, we're, uh, he's also foosball on for affinity. Yeah, and Twitter. And he posts uh, sometimes clone military corn. clone corn. Do you like thylacines? Yes. Do you know what a thylacine is? Do you want to know what a thylacine is? <laughs> and how far they can unhinge Ooh, their thylacines. jaws. Mm. Which amazes also, me that, week, like, why is there not some big connection between thylacines and vor? If there it is one, I'm not is. aware of it. I'll send my my you all. my Lovecraftian tendrils into the Underdark and see what my people tell me. <sighs> Thank you, Foos, for joining us. It's we'll cool. I know a guy. hope to have you back on again soon. Whether for, for editing or not. And mm-hmm. um, thank you all for listening. Good night and keep writing. <laughs>